you have your Bible, turn back with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. While you're turning there, I'll remind you that Psalm 46 is a is a psalm that um, I guess was given to Israel or to Judah as they're uh, dealing with the pagan nations uh, that were roaring against them, that were coming against them. I believe we can use it to encourage ourselves as we uh, are part of a society, part of the world that is uh, secular and, and atheistic in its worldview, increasingly so. Um, Reminds you of John Gill, what he said, that it was a prophecy of the church in gospel times and that it could be applicable to any time of confusion and distress in the nations of the world maybe going through. And he, and he added that those that trust in the Lord have no reason in the least to be afraid. I love that quote from him. Um, but I believe it, it could apply to us today in the type of society that we're living in. Uh, that's dominated, uh, at least on the public landscape, of, of secularism and, and really a hatred for the things of God. But in the midst of that, we can have what I called last week our Psalm 46 attitude, which is really an attitude that's uh, or a, a mindset that's absent of you know crippling anxiety in the midst of all the chaos. You can still have your sound mind and, and you can be free from the worries and anxiety of all this in the midst of what's going on. So the psalmist begins by saying that God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Now that word Selah there, or Selah, is, it, it, it means to take a break, to stop and think about what has just been said pause for a moment and so think about that for a moment when the when the mountains the most stable things in society are being removed when they're being carried into the midst of the sea uh, this is really poetic language when the waters are roaring uh, when when there's just trouble all around it says we do not have to fear because we have a refuge in God and think about that for a moment then, then he, he continues the psalmist says there is a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early, the heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. He says, stop, take a break and think about that. That although this, there may be chaos all around, there is a place that, this, that what comes out of that place, the people of God, I believe it's talking about, I believe we can, it's so applicable to the church of God, the doctrines of God, the gospel of God, the things that flow out of this river to the city of God are the things that were designed to make you happy and glad in the midst of the chaos. And the reason they can do that is because God is in the midst of her. You, you understand that. It's not just the doctrines. It's not just the things that are, that are being preached that make you glad. It's because God is in the midst of, the, of His church. You know, He said, where two or three are gathered in My name, there am I in the midst of them. He's in the middle of it. We want, we want to invite God today, right, to be in the midst of our, our singing service, our prayers, the preaching. We want God to be in the midst of our service. And He says that that... Uh, that that, that, he, that she shall not be moved. God shall help her. We want God's help today. Brother Mark prayed that God would give us hearing ears, and he prayed for me that I would have, uh, you know, that I would have the ability to preach to you. We need God's help. 
This, you know, what we do every Sunday when we sacrifice our time and, and, and sacrifice our bodies to be here and sacrifice it. And it's hard to call it a sacrifice, isn't it? We've talked about that before. It's so easy to get here. But when we do that, we are making a sacrifice. We're giving up something to be here. Um, we, we don't just go through the motions and, and God's going to have to bless it if we go through the motions. We, we need to invite God through prayer to bless our time together. And so he says, stop and think about that for a moment. And then, it says in verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations He hath made in the earth. He makes wars to cease under the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I hope this morning we can look at that third portion of this psalm for just a moment as we stand before you. He, he begins, the psalmist says, come, behold. It's a, you know, that word, you know, Jesus said, come unto me all you that are, that are uh, heavy laden. I will give you rest. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, and 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 that word indicates there's going to be some effort on your part to do this, right? If you want this, you say, how could we actually have this kind of attitude, this Psalm 46 attitude, in the midst of all the chaos? Well, first you've got to you got to make the decision, you got to have the determination and the discipline to get up and actually do it, right? And it's going to depend on what you're focused on. You're the uh, I believe it was Brother Ronald that was here with us at our meeting that would say your, your outlook is going to be determined by your uplook. What are you focused on? When Peter was focused on the Lord, he was walking on water. But when he saw the storms, he began to sink, right? So the psalmist says, I want you to become, I want you to, I want you to, to make the effort to move towards something, to advance towards it. Uh, to, to really, the word to come means to, to move into view where you can see something. And that's what he says, come and behold. Come and gaze upon this. And that means with your mind it doesn't have to be just something that you see but mentally to perceive something to contemplate something uh, to have a vision of something he says i want you to come and behold something and so if you read psalm 46 it says there's no way that you could actually have that kind of that kind of no fear in the chaos there's nowhere that you could see uh, everything crumbling around you and say i'm just going to find refuge in the lord there's no way that you could be glad in the midst of these roaring waters that you could you could have something as simple as the doctrines of God, the things that, that flow uh, from the kingdom of God, from the church of God. That's going to make me happy when everything else, when the heathen are raging and the kingdoms are being moved. How could that happen? Well, it's going to, it's going to happen if you're focused on the right thing. And so he says, I want, you to, I want you to make the effort every morning, make the decision every day to come and gaze upon this. Don't gaze upon all the trouble. Look, you can't escape thinking about and seeing all the craziness that's been going on. So for 8,000 years or however long the earth has been here, there's been people who have been seeing the craziness that's going on around them. But the people that have escaped the anxiety and the, the, the depression and the despair from all the things that are going on around them are the ones that were focused on the Lord, not focused on all the things that were going on around them. They knew about it. They made provisions about it. Uh, they, they uh, you know, they... Uh, you, you can't bury your head in the sand and not know what's going on, right? But you can choose the attitude in which uh, you face the world. And that's dependent on what you're gazing upon, what you're focused on. So the psalmist says, I want you to come and behold this. 
Behold the works of the Lord. <laughs> Don't behold uh, the waters that are raging and the mountains that are crumbling and the heathen that are raging. I want you to really take the effort, make the determination to go and focus on what God has done. Do y'all see that? I want you to focus on the works of the Lord. There's three things that I, that I thought about this week as I was reading through this psalm. You know, it's what God has. These are the things that God has created. Number one being the natural creation. Focus on that. If you're filled with, with, with anxiety and despair and all those things, maybe you need to change what you're focusing on. And, and the creation of God is a great thing to focus on the Word of God and the people of God. Um, if we think about the creation of God, I want to read to you from Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. It says, When I consider thy heavens... Listen to, how it, listen to how it describes the heavens. The works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? The psalmist here says, I believe it's David, that says, when I consider the heavens that are the works of your fingers. That's how, you know, God is so big that we can't comprehend Him, Right? He's, he's, he's knowable in what He's revealed to us, uh, but He's so he's holy. He's, he's, when, it says that when, when we talk about God being holy, it's not just that He's morally excellent. He so far surpasses us that we'll spend eternity knowing, learning about God. And it says the works of His fingers. That'd be like you and, you and I kicked back on the couch working the remote. <laughs> That's God created all the heavens that you see with the works of His fingers. And I'm going to tell you, when you go out and just see the works of God, I, Carrie and I were blessed last October. Many of y'all know we were uh, we had we had planned for years to go to Colorado. COVID kind of threw a kink in that. We had to push it off a little while, but we'd saved money for several years, and we made a trip to Colorado. And we flew in, and it looked different than anything I'd ever seen. I'd never been out west, but and we rented a car and we drove down what they call the Million Dollar Highway, and we we entered into Ure, Colorado, and I guess at that point, I'd been to Batesville, Arkansas one time when I was a kid, but that's about as far as I'd been. And, and, and we turned a corner on this road, and these mountains just opened up. And I can tell you, I was just amazed at what my God has done. Just seeing the creation. Like, sometimes you just need to get out and take a walk. Yesterday, we were going somewhere, and this, this red bird was like almost kamikaze right into our windshield. Almost killed this bird. And... I thought, isn't it amazing that God's made all these birds with all these colors? And it's just that thought crossed my mind. Our God's amazing. And if, and if you don't have to be focused on all the things that are crumbling around you when all these things are so good. <laughs> all these uh, just just being out and create. Listen to Psalm 19, verse one. It says the heavens, which are the finger works of God, the heavens declare the glory of God. In the firmament showeth his handiwork, day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. See, God, it's been said before that God has written two books, the book of nature and the Bible, and both of them declare what God has done. Romans 1 and verse 20 says, The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The Bible could clearly say in Psalm 14, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You would have to be a fool 
to walk out and see this world and think, this is all a cosmic accident. That'd be like walking into this church today and saying there was no one that planned where these lights are going to go, where the foundation's going to go, where this pulpit's going to go, where those speakers are going to go. One day it just all popped together. You would say that person is a fool, right? It's the same way when you look at the sun. How many of y'all worked on getting the sun up this morning? None of you, right? Every day. It's just faithful. The sun rises, the sun sets. That's, that declares the glory and faithfulness of our God. And so the psalmist is saying, come, make the effort to behold that, to look at that. But not only that, the Word of God, which God has given us. This is, this is a book that's unlike any other book because it's written by God. <laughs> he took holy men of old and moved them to write what we can read today. It was, it was, it was God-breathed. It says that all Scripture was given by the inspiration of God. God was inspiring the men who wrote this Word. When you think about that, it's, it's, it makes it harder for me to take the Word of God for granted when I think that God moved through men to write it. And not only has He done that, He has providentially preserved His Word for us in a language that we can understand. So, come and behold the works of God, right? And it's all about God. You remember when He was walking on the road, I guess the road to Emmaus with those two men after His resurrection? And it says he began at Moses and the prophets and he began to expound unto them the scriptures. That, that, and who were they all about? About God, right? About Jesus. He told those in John chapter 5, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. So you can walk out into creation and you can just understand there's a God. Something, had a force big, had to create this, right? But that's you can't you can't understand his long sufferingness and his gentleness and his love and his grace for you until you get into his word. His word reveals God at a much deeper level. And some of us take it for granted, and some of us are too concerned with the things that are going on in the world and the things that are around us. And listen, you got things going on in your life just like I do. Everybody has things going on that are going to distract them and things you have to deal with. And like I said, we can't bury our head in the sand. But while we're dealing with them and while those things are happening around us, we can focus on those things. One of them is the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, a church is probably about as strong as its commitment to the Word of God. We need committed people to the Word of God. Every day in their Bibles reading the Word of God. Um, just focused on the Word of God. It's what we need. It's what God's given us for our doctrine, for our reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know, we need to be reproved, don't we? We need, we need to be uh, corrected. We need to be instructed in what to do. Where do we get that? From right here in the book, in the Bible, the Word of God. So come and behold that. But then if we're going to have this type of attitude, which is the kind of attitude I want, we got to, we got to focus on the people of God as well. Because, see, that's the work of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 for just a moment. Paul is writing to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful, those that are full of faith in Jesus Christ. So by extension, you today. And in Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible, he he begins by saying, and you hath he quickened. These, these, these saints, these that believed in Jesus, these faithful in Christ Jesus, he says, 
that you, plural pronoun there, all of them together, hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, you see, the creation will, creation will show you that there's a God, but the Bible will show you there's a God who's rich in mercy. <laughs> I, like a God, I like a God who's not going to run out of mercy. How many of y'all need mercy? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> well, we got a God that's rich. He's, he's overflowing in mercy. <laughs> For His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, we were completely corrupt, we had nothing good about us. We had nothing that we could offer to God. When we were dead in our sins, He hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. And He hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'll stop right there for just another moment. And, and, and I love this because when you're talking about how people are saved, soteriology, how, do, how are people, whether, whether it's, whether it's uh, from the beginning to the end, from election, predestination, whether it's the justification by Christ, whether it's regeneration by the Holy Spirit and by the life-giving voice of Jesus Christ, or whether it's glorification when we're going to go home and be rendered excellent and be in heaven forever, it's all completely by grace and in such a way that you can't boast in the very least bit about anything you've done. That is grace. Do you all understand that? And that's what Paul is saying here, that God has... God has executed a plan of salvation in such a way that you can't even boast about any of it. Not that you found Him, not that you were looking for Him, not that you prayed a prayer or accepted Him or walked an aisle or persevered, any of that. All boasting is excluded when it talks about being saved and going to heaven. <laughs> Whether it's justification or regeneration, the new birth, any of it, it's all a sovereign act of God. <laughs> and so that's he's saying here that God has quickened you. You were dead. You had no ability to make yourself alive. But we know of one who Jesus said, to John, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 8 to Nicodemus that the wind blows where it listeth. Now here's the sound thereof. You can't tell where it's coming or where it goes. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit of God. See, there's a, there's a sovereign power because it's God who created everything and he has the power to bring about life where there is death. <laughs> and when you were dead in trespasses and sins, one day he, he brought life into your heart. And if you have faith, if you have love, if you have uh, all the, the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering or gentleness or temperance, if you've ever seen someone that displays those fruit, or if you've ever seen them yourself, that is proof positive that God has worked on your dead heart and given you a new heart. I love that. And so then in verse 10, he says, for we, Ephesians 2 and verse 10, for we 
for me and you today, child of God, the saints at Vestavian, the ones that believe in Jesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, for we are His workmanship. We are the work. Come behold the works of God. Today I am gazing upon people who are the works of God. Isn't that amazing? Come behold the works of God. Make the effort to get up and be around them. We are, we are, we are gathered together in a congregation of people who are the workmanship, the product, the poema, the thing made of God. <laughs> See, we wouldn't be here on our own. If God would have left us in, our, in the state of deadness, the sinful, the corruption, the depravity that we have because of our father Adam, this church wouldn't be here. No one would have built it because there'd be no desire to have a church and no one would have had the desire to come out here today. But because God, through His sovereign grace, has removed that, that, that stony heart, that dead heart, and given you a heart of feeling and given you a heart that loves Him and given you faith in Him, See, the very faith that we have in Jesus isn't a faith that we conjured up of our own. It's a faith that was given to us by God. Paul told the Thessalonians in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he said, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of God may have free horse, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So if you have faith today, it's because God gave it to you. Praise His holy name, isn't it? Even when you lay down at night and say, God, my faith is in you. You can't boast about that I had that faith. You say, thank God you gave me that faith. Y'all see how dependent we are on God. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so the psalmist says, I want you to come make the effort to focus on the works of God. And so I, I encourage you. <laughs> Get in His Word, get in His creation, and get among His people because those are the works of God. And those are the things that we need when a society is crumbling around us. We need the things that God has made, not the things that man has made. See, man makes things that are designed sometimes to wear out. <laughs> God makes things that are everlasting and eternal. And I want to be among the people you know, the good thing about us is we may wear out here, but we're going to go somewhere else. We can always be together <laughs> for eternity. Come behold the works of God. He says what desolations He has made in the earth. You know, one of the definitions in Strong's Concordance for, for desolations is the, the wonderful things. <laughs> the wonderful things that God has done in the earth. The, the desolations says, He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. When we read that kind of language, what he's saying is that when God gets in the middle of something, He gives complete victory and He destroys the enemy. Y'all see that? He, he breaks their bow. He cuts their spear and He burns the chariot of fire. That's, that's language indicating when, when a... When a, when a a nation would invade another nation and there were spoils left over that maybe they couldn't get out from that nation. They wouldn't leave them there. So if that nation recovered, maybe they could use them again against it. They would pile them all up into a big uh, pile and burn them. <laughs> so you left, you left, they were desolated. They were, they were, they devoured all the weapons of war um, that the enemy could use against them. And that's what God does when he fights on our behalf. He doesn't just do it a little bit. He comes in and completely destroys things. Do y'all understand that? And see, um, when hard times come, 
or when you're presented with situations um, that are tough, um, and, and it may like it, it may be it may not be what's going on around us in our nation. It may be a, a disease that you're faced with, or a, a relationship that you're faced with, or whatever it may be, and you feel like there's no way out. You got to remember the God that fights battles for you. You got to think about, um, you know, the stories of the Old Testament weren't just given that we could read our kids at night or that we could make children's Bibles out of them. They were given for adults to look back on and see that God is faithful to deliver his people. The story of Israel getting out of Egypt and going through the Red Sea and the Egyptians being drowned in the sea and, the, and, the, and, the, and, and God saving Israel that day, <laughs> that wasn't given so that we could, just, we could just read it and analyze it. That was given to encourage us. <laughs> Y'all see that? When, when David went up against Goliath, Goliath, you talk about complete victory. He didn't just stun him so they could carry him back over with a rock. He hit him with a rock, took his sword, and cut his head off. That's complete victory. God gives complete victory. Do y'all agree with that this morning? Think about the three Hebrew boys when they stood up for God. Brother Mark prayed that one day we may be called to stand up. We know that. Well, they stood up for God and they said, I will not bow to Nebuchadnezzar or to your image. And they threw them into a into a fire that was heated, I believe, seven times more than it was supposed to be heated. And they didn't even smell like smoke when they got out of it. But Nebuchadnezzar's most valiant men were burned in the fire. God gives victory, doesn't he? When, when everything around you seems to be crumbling, God can give the victory. We think about Hezekiah in 2 Kings, I believe it's 18 and 19. I think it's 2 Chronicles 32. And then you can read it in Isaiah 36 and 37. We talked about King Hezekiah and Assyr the Assyrian army had already come in and taken Samaria. They're taking over Israel. And here's the king of Judah. And, and, and he's a good king. He's, he's destroyed uh, the, the idols of, of the kings before him. He's taken the, the brazen serpent that Moses had lifted up, something that God had given to Israel to, um, to deliver them. The people of Israel had taken and made, a, and made an idol out of it. And so Hezekiah destroys it. He says, get it out of here. Which I believe, just a side note, that we can take the blessings of God and make an idol out of them. See, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said that our hearts are idol factories. We just keep producing idols and keep producing idols and keep producing idols. Uh, the Apostle John said, Lord, uh, he said, little children, keep yourself from idolatry. That's a verse in the Bible. It's a very short verse, but that's a full-time job, isn't it? To keep yourself from idolatry. And so Hezekiah is ridding um, the, the nation of Judah from idolatry, but against him is coming an army. And, and, and by the way, when I said earlier we can't bury our heads in the sand, maybe we have to make preparation. Like um, when you look at the society and the, and the worldview that's pushing upon us and our children, you might need to remove some things from your home. You might need to remove your children from certain situations. You might need to remove yourself from certain situations. You need to make preparations See, God's not going to do it all for you, right? He expects us to put in some effort. And so Hezekiah is going to reroute the water because he knows that the army's coming. He's making preparations. He's trying to encourage the people of Judah. Y'all can go home and read all this tonight. He's, he's, he's trying to encourage them as the enemy's coming up against them, saying, we're coming to destroy you. Your God's not going to help the gods. The other nations didn't stop Assyria. They're not, they're the Assyrian army, and so the, the leaders of the Assyrian army are yelling out to the men that are on the wall of Judah, you have no match for us. We're the biggest army in the world, and we're coming to take you over. And, and, and so Hezekiah gets this letter about what's going to happen, and, and, the, and the Bible says, I believe it's in 2 uh, Kings chapter 18, that he spread it before the Lord. <laughs> 
You know, when you got problems in your life and you got things coming against you from every side, the best thing you can go is take it and spread it before the Lord. Because <laughs> He's the one that can do something about it, right? And He spreads it before the Lord. And Hezekiah knew if, if Assyria comes in here, there's, they're going to get us. <laughs> I mean, there's some things that you are not capable of solving on your own. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you so glad that He hasn't left us without an advocate? That Jesus Christ today is advocating for you. And even when he left his disciples, he said, I'm going to send a comforter that's going to comfort you in the Holy Spirit. God will never leave us without an advocate and a comforter. By the way, the word comforter and the word advocate in 1 John chapter 2, I believe it is in verse 1, where it says, my little children, uh, I write these things unto you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That, that word advocate, you can look it up, same word that's used for comforter in the Gospels about the Holy Spirit. We have an advocate advocating for us, and it's God. Aren't y'all thankful for that? Because I'm going to tell you, when I look at my children, and, and, I, and man, I want them to grow up and be strong courageous Christians, but it's going to be harder for them to be strong, courageous Christians than it was me and the generation before me and the generation before me and the generation before them. I can't do it on my own, but God can do it. Right? Y'all believe that? <laughs> I'm encouraged myself. <laughs> Here's Hezekiah, and he's trying to, and that's, we need to be a Hezekiah. When the bad things are happening, we need to be encouraging each other, spreading it before the Lord and saying, God's going to take care of it, guys. That's the kind of attitude I want. And so Hezekiah goes to bed one night, and everybody in Judah goes to bed one night, and the angel of the Lord comes back, and they wake up, and there's 145,000 dead Assyrians on the ground because God took care of their problem. <laughs> Don't y'all love our God? When it looks like all hope is lost, our God is the God of all hope. <laughs> When it, when it looks like all hope is lost, our God is the God that will make highways out of seas. <laughs> That's our God. When the, devil, when the devil was probably thinking, I have finally got him. Finally, the Son of God, the one that I've hated for all eternity or whenever the devil was created. I don't know how all that worked. <laughs> I just believe it. But I know he was after him. This, this God that I've been after, this triune God, finally I've got his son. And they don't, they have, we've, we've already sealed him up. <laughs> And we put a stone in front of his grave. <laughs> and three days later, the angel rolled that stone away and our God got up and walked out. <laughs> That's our God. Aren't y'all thankful for our God? That is our God. And so the, the psalmist here is saying, come behold these things. Come behold what desolation he hath made in the earth. He makes wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariots in fire. What, what's another? What's something else that we can get from that? He's saying he brings peace where there seems to be no peace. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 7, Paul would say that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. See, the kingdoms of this world, they're not full of righteousness, are they? They're full of wickedness, but the kingdom of God's full of righteousness. You're not going to find peace in this world, but in the kingdom of God you'll find peace. And the world will rob you of you. The one thing that the world's really good at doing is robbing you of your joy. But the kingdom of God will just fill you up with joy, won't it? I need it all the time. And he's saying, he's, it's a picture here of how we can be joyful in the midst of chaos. And so up until verse 10, 
the psalmist has been speaking, but now I think God's going to speak. <laughs> and this is, how, how are we going to find peace and joy in the midst of the waters raging and the mountains crumbling and the heathen raging and all these things? Well, here's what God's going to say to you. He says, be still and know that I am God. <laughs> Don't y'all love that? Um, there was in um, is the British government in in the 30s, in the late 30s, when war was raging, or that you know, um, I guess they were threatened with a lot of war, and the public was very anxious, like we would be. And they came out with a, the British government came out with a slogan that said, "Keep calm and carry on." <laughs> I, I like that, don't y'all? Keep keep calm and carry on. Even when the when the nations are roaring, the people of God have no reason to be afraid because their God is their refuge. And here God is finally speaking. God's given the answer to how you can have this kind of attitude in the midst of chaos. He says, be still. You need to stop and relax. <laughs> Y'all ever been mad and maybe your friend or your spouse or somebody says, calm down. <laughs> that don't ever calm me down. <laughs> that makes me more mad. <laughs> Get angrier. Well, that's kind of what God's saying here. He says, He says, You need to, you need to stop. Sister Carol Williams isn't here today. She was um, her father was very sick. And near to death, and uh, she was staying with him one night. I think she was showing a house, and, and they lived, um, I think, closer to Dora. And so she was coming back to Birmingham. And she left one morning for an appointment to meet somebody about a house. And I think it was just one of those days where, where everything was going wrong. Forgot her phone at her house, had to go, his house had to go back and get it. And, couldn't find the address and all this stuff. So she pulls over at this little country church and they have one of those marquees, you know, where you can put a message out. And I mean, she's about to cry. Just nothing's going right. And she looks up at the marquee of this little country church and they put a message on there and it says, don't freak out. I've got this. God. <laughs> I don't know if God didn't providentially make them put that up there so that Sister Carol could see that. <laughs> He knows what we need before we need it. Y'all know that? I find comfort in that. I think that's what he's saying here. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I know it's easier to preach this than it is to do it, but I'm telling you, if we'll follow what, what the Holy Spirit has given us here, to make the effort to come and rest our mind on the things of God other than the things of what's going on around us, we can have this kind of mentality. Now, which one do y'all want? <laughs> Let's take a poll. <laughs> I, want, I want the Psalm 46 attitude, don't y'all? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the mothers of this congregation. And um, I pray you'll, you'll, you'll strengthen them, that you'll give them strength as they have to go about whether whether young or old, whether the children are still in the home or have left, uh, we know, God, that, that 
that they need your help. So strengthen our moms. We need we need strong families. That is that is one of the the blessings that you have given us is the family, and we pray you'd strengthen the moms today. Bless every one of them. And we thank you for your word, God, that instructs us in, in how to live, that instructs us in righteousness and what to do, that we can find your kingdom and press into your kingdom and experience the peace and the joy that flows from your kingdom. And we pray, God, you'd bless us with that here at Vestavia. We, play, we pray that you'd open up doors of opportunity for us, that, that the word of God would have free course, and we would be delivered not to people who disregard it or mock what we believe, but to people whose hearts you've opened, like Lydia in Acts chapter 16, that we could, you would direct us to people whose hearts you've already opened, who are already receptive to your word, that they could come in among us and find rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Help us to focus on that work. Help us to come and behold that work, the work that he accomplished on the cross of Calvary, and not that he had left anything for us to do, but he completely destroyed Satan on that cross and he destroyed sin and he destroyed death. And we are just right now, we're, 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 we're in between the already and the not yet. And we anticipate the day that salvation will be fully accomplished and fully revealed when he comes back from heaven to glorify us and to glorify those that are in Christ that have gone before us and to ever be with Christ our Lord. We look forward to that day, Lord, but until then, strengthen us to carry on and be faithful and be strong in this world in which we live. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we'll sing a hymn at this time and give an opportunity. If you would like to come forward and confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, be baptized or join with this church, uh, we, will, we will open the doors for you to come do that now. Brother Joshua or Taylor, do you have a song? Sing number one.